Welcome to From Heart to Healing. My name is Babu Biko. On this podcast, we will explore with other practitioners, primarily from the global south, what a healing-centered, peace-building approach looks like in their context and how they are engaging in healing processes. Our objective is first to support each other in this difficult work, but we also want to discuss how we measure our work and why the work is foundational for working in conflict-affected communities and countries. On our first episode, we are honored to host storyteller, artist, teacher, decolonial academic in arts, social justice, and peace building, Dr. Babu Aindo. Dr. Babu has pioneered work at the intersection of arts, politics, and peace building, and he has a long list of achievements in the peace building discipline. But at home, I simply call him dad. Welcome to the podcast. Asante sana, shukran. Thank you. All right, so just as we now go into the discussions and uh, talking to different practitioners perhaps just for our audience how would you describe healing centered peace building yeah the, th- thanks a lot for that question um the terminology of healing centered peace building has been a struggle to adopt over the years um as research and practice led us from you know, labels such as, you know, trauma-wise, trauma-informed, trauma-healing. We began a very serious conversation about why were we describing our work using the trauma? Why shouldn't we actually amplify what exactly our practice was doing? And that was healing. And for us, when we talk about healing-centered we are looking at the very holistic uh, approach to, to healing because we recognize from the many communities that we worked with in South Sudan, uh, in uh, the Anyuak people in Ethiopia, uh, in parts of Kenya, people described healing as that moment when there is balance. And here they're talking about balance with their ancestors, balance with their land balance with their creator, the spiritual medium, balance with the nature around them. And that's why we look at Healing Centered as really talking about that equilibrium, if you like, that we humans need to have with other realms of being so that we can function optimally in, uh, in rebuilding the social fab- fabric of our societies, uh, in, st- in strengthening and enhancing relationships with fellow humans uh, and other living things. Uh, that's how I will describe it uh, briefly. You've been doing this for uh, quite a while, and if I can just go into uh, a, a, a short personal story, I think it was after the the 2007-2008 election, that's when I actually realized what you actually do. Mm. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, teachers would ask the students, what do your parents do, and what does your parents do? And I would struggle to describe <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you do. So I don't know whether perhaps it was also for you, because for me, the 2007-2008 election was also the time when I actually realized maybe I could not perhaps do what you do, but I could um, use some of the skills that I have to uh, continue with the Healing Center Peace Building Approach. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking about that. Yeah, um, it's important that you mention 2007 and 8 uh, because because that was a tough time. We were living in Kisumu as a family. 
and we were able to witness very directly. You know, you remember our house, you know, was in Tomboya Estate, which was, you know, a stone's throw, yeah. literally. <laughs> I don't want to use the, the metaphor of a stone's throw, but uh, it's a stone's throw from Kondele. And we, we were able to witness some of the worst violence in this country. I would say it did not start in 2007 and 8, but 2007 and 8 was a turning point in my work in Kenya. Because initially I'd done quite a bit of work in South Sudan and in other places, you know, as a workshop facilitator, uh, you know, as a cultural worker, animator. And we had done a series of workshops in, you know, various parts of South Sudan. As you may know, and I've mentioned this time and again, the late John Garang was very clear that the transition from war to peace in South Sudan and Sudan required that we also engage very directly with the healing of trauma uh, of our people and our communities. And that is how we'd be able to create a functional state, uh, whichever way we voted, um, uh, whether we voted self-determination for South Sudan or unity uh, with, with Khartoum. So our work in South Sudan, in places like you know, Maridi, in Ikotos, uh, was really preparing the political leaders at the Payam level, religious leaders, youth leaders, leaders of women's organizations to prepare for this transition because we recognize that we do carry this trauma. Of course, uh, I may have mentioned this to you that for me, one of the greatest liberation heroes is uh, Steve Biko, uh, of course, and his colleagues, you know, Mampela Rampele, Bani Pitiana and others in the Black Consciousness Movement, because they too recognized that apartheid was based on a psychological infrastructure of traumatizing black people or other people basically who were not white. And therefore, for a liberation struggle uh, to really function in a way that is humanizing, they needed to recognize that healing had to happen amongst uh, black people. So if you compare Biko's Black Consciousness Movement with other movements, they didn't quite um, recognize that need. And unfortunately, until today, I think they're still struggling, struggling with that. So my background comes from that, of recognizing that wherever you go around the world where there is a colonialism or coloniality, there's always a psychological infrastructure. I mean, in one of the, one of the architects of apartheid was a psychologist, you know, uh, you know, who worked to, you know, to create that infrastructure. And if you go to, you know, to the to the U.S. and other parts of the world, you'll find that at the heart of the politics of discrimination, oppression, and so on, also was, you know, the psychological uh, infrastructure. So that's really what inspired and informed some of the work. So in Kenya, we realized that for a long time. While we were doing peace building work, we were not, in our analysis and in our approach, we were not factoring in the question of breaking the cycles of violence and healing, healing of communities and healing of individuals. 2007 and 8 postulation violence brought that to the fore. And it is from that time working with the, the late Deka Ibrahim, you know, uh, you know, Jebiwot uh, Sumbewo with the Coalition for Peace in Africa, Martha Dogoto and others, we began focusing forensically, if you wish, uh, on the issue of healing and how it connects then to our politics and to our peace building approaches. And um, yeah, you mentioned, um, if, I, if, if I may just uh, go a bit to the next John Garang, um, I remember, I think that the, the very first memory, of course, I would hear you talk a bit 
uh, about the late John Garang here and there in your notes and everything. But I remember the very first um, memory I have of the late John Garang was actually at the time when he died. And I remember one of the local stations did a sort of an animation about the helicopter and, uh, and everything. And for me, that was the memory. Even as I went to South Sudan, mm -hmm. for me, that was the memory that I carried. But I also remember it was actually one of the saddest moments. Yeah, if mm -hmm. I made that, um, uh, I noticed not only with you, but also in the people who are working in, in South Sudan. Mm -hmm. So the question that I want to bring is, do we have the practitioners, probably not at the level of John Garang, but do we have currently the practitioners who will be carrying forth the legacy of John Garang, the legacy of Steve Biko, you know, the legacy of everybody who's looking to break the cycles of violence? Um, that's a tough question. Um, I would say the people are there. They are leaders uh, who are doing healing work without even calling it uh, healing work. But I also know that a challenge still exists in our politics. We need to recognize that healing has to be an integral part of our political culture. Right now it's happening, but it's happening on the fringes. So organizations are struggling to do healing work, but, you know... Even institutions such as, you know, the UN and others, the African Union, you know, IGAD, still in their language, in their discourse, you don't quite find sufficient recognition that, you know, for us really to create better communities, better families, better societies, healing work needs to happen. And I want to put an important footnote on the question of healing. I think there is a sense in which when people talk about healing work, they look at the Eurocentric models of clinical psychologists, you know, one-on-one -on -one counseling. So wherever I've gone and I've said, you know, healing wants to happen, they tell me, oh, you know, this country has only so many psychiatrists. And I'm thinking, hello, healing work has been done. I, I mean, I do not know, my, my great-grandmother, Oranga, was a healer. She was a herbalist. And I have a memory of her, of people coming at home and bringing their, you know, their children. I have memories of my own grandmother, Josephine Ongecha, and my grandfather, you know, uh, Boaz Odera, working as healers and peace builders, just bringing people together in cycles. I mean, if you look at uh, the work that has been done with the black American community in the U.S., this has happened, people coming together. And just having these cycles of conversations, of healing, of breaking violence. So it's there. For me, it's a question of, you know, in our politics, we need to be very intentional in the way we locate the agenda of healing as part of our, you know, our politics, as part of our political culture. So the short answer to your question is the people are there and there's increasing recognition, there's increasing number. Um, uh, my only worry, to be honest now, is uh, I can see we are again falling back to Eurocentric models of mental health, and that's kind of dominating our discourse. I want to just emphasize that the healing-centered approach is much broader. So we need to do our homework in uh, reading the works of Franz Fanon, for example, uh, you know, Dr. Frances Wesling in the, in the U.S., uh, you know, of course, Steve Biko and uh, Mampela Rampele, you know, and others. 
for us to really design a very holistic and comprehensive healing agenda within our troubled uh, politics in this uh, you know state of coloniality yeah and and, and it's actually good you mentioned dr Ampela um, because I think we have scheduled to try and uh, reach out to her to also just uh, share a bit about uh, the work that uh, she does. And I actually just wanted, uh, uh, my, the question I was about to ask next is what you have actually preempted about the resources people can look to. Um, again, I go back to personal, um, uh, you know, uh, stories of times where they would uh, give me books, Steve Biko's books when I was really small and you know, tell me, you know, read about him, learn about him uh, and all that. And it actually informed a lot about how I, I, you know, the decisions that I made, you know, some of the, you know, challenges that <laughs> I challenged a couple of my friends on, on one or two things. Uh, one of the quotes that um, uh, really inspired me with Steve Biko was that the greatest weapon in the mind of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Mm. And for me, that informed a lot about what I do. So maybe for our viewers, are there any other resources, you know, books, authors that they can actually look to to sort of start this journey? I can give you a very long list, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say some foundational texts that uh, are so important for me, of course, is uh, Franz Fanon's, uh, you know, Wretched of the Earth. Uh, I think he frames some very important questions for those of us who want to see the connection between, you know, the psychology and politics, or what some people have called, you know, psychopolitics. Uh, of course, he has written other books, but I think uh, The Wretched of the Earth will be an important one. Uh, Dr. Francis Wesling, The ISIS Papers, is an important uh, text, because then again, we are looking at the whole agenda of, of healing, uh, within within coloniality, uh, within racism and white supremacy. Uh, of course, Steve Biko's I Write What I Like, uh, for me, is an important text. Then there is the Burkina Faso research and scholar Mali Dome Somme Price. He's written quite a bit on heal uh, healing wisdom of African people. And I would also insist, uh, Biko, that we don't just read the academic texts. We also read the work of uh, novelists and storytellers because we find a lot of knowledge on how storytellers have storified and theorized the agenda of healing. So, for example, Aikwe Yama's novel, uh, The Healers, uh, is an important text. I would also recommend Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's uh, Half of a Yellow Sun. I think it looks at Nigeria, uh, the transition, the politics, but also there's a very important uh, motive there uh, about about healing. Uh, which are the novel? Apparently, a good rereading of Ngoge Wationgos, A Grain of Wheat, also raises some of these challenges in you know colonial Kenya, looking forward to post-colonial Kenya and part of the agenda agenda for healing. And there are a couple of other books uh, that uh, you know I would recommend as well. And uh, just again to add something there, that we need to ask ourselves very seriously, especially in post-colonial societies, how comes that some of the most foremost thinkers about liberation, self-determination, and healthy politics were actually psychologists, <laughs> and they were medical doctors? Franz Fanon, psychiatrist. Steve Biko, medical student. 
Rampella Rampelle, medical doctor. If you go to the Philippines, there's a Virgilio, a Virgilio a Enrique in the Philippines who did a lot of work also, you know, psychologist. Oka Leanui in Hawaii, again, psychologist. So as soon as psychologists and medical doctors make, make a connection with our politics, then already the agenda of healing just emerges almost by itself. And that's an important note uh, to make. All right. Um, I see we are running out of time. Uh, we only have about three minutes or two minutes left. But in case you have any other questions, I mean, we couldn't cover everything in this short discussion. So in case you have any other questions, just leave them in the comments and reach out. We will have a, a side chat with uh, Dr. Babu and share some of the questions and then be able to respond. So, uh, Dr. Babu, your final word to our audience. Our ancestors struggled and we need to honor that and rewrite the history because there is a sense in which colonialism has almost persuaded us that we are not makers of culture no no our ancestors struggled even those who went across the atlantic they struggled all the way and we need to recognize that that they wanted a better life for us let us pick up the baton from them and run a race where we say we can heal we can break cycles of violence we can reimagine our societies anew. We can build a better life for generations to come. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share the insights. I know we've pulled you out of a very busy schedule. <laughs> no worries. <clears throat> it's an so honor. Much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for tuning in to From Heart to Healing. I remember we'll continue these uh, discussions with practitioners from around the world. Uh, feel free to share in your comments and uh, we'll be able to sample them uh, as we go through. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions or clarifications, feel free to leave a comment and we will be able to share it with Dr. Babu Aindo. Additionally, we have also started a new private group on Facebook for practitioners to interact with each other called From Heart to Healing. You can also check out our regular blog on LinkedIn authored every Monday by our executive director, Dr. Angie Yoda Maina. Remember, when healing-centered approaches are used, we reach families, communities, governments, organizations, and society at large responding to the deeply embedded injuries caused by chronic violence, structural inequities, and systems created to harm, not to heal. It is very heavy work, but it's the work we love to do. See you next time.